Hello and welcome back to the Automotive Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the Alpine A110. And this was a very well-known, very famous rally car in the 1960s and 1970s. And I definitely had heard of it, but I really didn't know anything about it. I mean, I knew it did rallying. It's a pretty cool looking car. In fact, it's honestly a great looking car. Um, But I didn't know the history of it all. So this was a, a very interesting car to look into. And it was requested by a listener. So thank you. I appreciate that. It will be a little bit of a different history because um, Alpine, the company that made the A110, is very small. And so the story of the A110 is also kind of the story of Alpine. So, who was Alpine? Or what was Alpine? Alpine was started by a man named Jean And he was a French rally car driver, and he was also uh, a dealership owner for Renault. And he was a gentleman driver. He had a passion for rallying and would, in fact, race in a suit and tie. He was very clean cut, very just the true pinnacle of a gentleman driver. And during the 1950s, Jean would do rallying in a car called the Renault 4CV. And this was an absolutely tiny car with an even smaller engine. The 4CV was one of the few cars produced after World War II. When the war ended, manufacturers were having a, they, you know, they had to take a Bit to switch back to producing uh, automobiles for citizens versus producing things to help the war effort. So immediately after the end of World War II, there really weren't many cars available. The 4CV was one of those few cars, and it was actually designed to be a family car. It was a bomb and pops and the kids get around daily car. It was not meant to be anything special. It, as I said, had a very, very small engine at just 700 cubic centimeters, so 0.7 liters of displacement, and it produced uh, about 21 horsepower. So, well, like I said, it was just little. But Jean would be extremely successful in this very tiny little Renault, despite his competition being much larger cars with much larger displacement engines. In fact, some of the cars that he raced against had engines with four or five times the displacement of his car, and he would beat them. He would win. He would do extremely well. Obviously, he modified the 4CV a little bit. He made it lighter He put in a different transmission, giving it five speeds instead of the stock three speeds. But he still was able to do extremely well in this absolutely, well, underpowered vehicle. And why is that? Well, it all comes down to that first part about the modification. He made it lighter. You don't need a lot of power if you don't have a lot of car to move. 
let's just look at some really basic physics. If you say that force is equal to mass times acceleration, and that going through a corner, the tires can take a certain amount of force before they lose grip. Obviously, this is very simplified. There's a lot more to it. But if you want to be able to take more force as you go through a corner, what can you do? Well, you can either lower acceleration, which is not exactly the goal of a sports car or a competition car, or you can lower the mass. And that's exactly what he did. The car was light. Yes, it didn't have a lot of power, but it didn't need a lot of power. Another benefit of being an extremely light car is it handled well. When you don't have a lot of mass to throw around, it's in some ways easier to drive. I mean, there's just less to the car, and it can corner at a higher speed. It doesn't take as long to respond. It's much quicker because, well, I mean, there's just less stuff to move. Um, and so he was extremely successful in this very small, very light car. This would eventually inspire him to build his own car, and he wanted to incorporate those same core concepts. Light, small, and most importantly, easy to drive and handle well. It wasn't about just raw horsepower, it wasn't about just getting up to the highest speed possible, it was about maintaining speed and being able to just drive efficiently throughout the entire rally course. And I mean, that, that works super, super well. So he wanted to build his own car, and he, well, you know, it's really hard to build a car completely from scratch, and so that's, that wasn't his goal. What he wanted to do was kind of take what he did with the 4CV, take some Renault car and develop it a little more intensely than just simply modification. And that's exactly what he did. And this first car that he created would be called the A106. And it would be finished by 1955. This car basically used all the parts from the Renault 4CV, but had an entirely different fiberglass body and different little modifications throughout to make it the best race car that Gene thought it could be. And it was successful. The A106 did well in rally throughout the 1950s, and it was a successful little race car, you know, pretty much developed by one man. Um, after the A106, Gene would go on to develop the A108. Um, this wouldn't be a big change. It's very similar uh, to the 06, um, but engine size just increased a little bit. It was still less than a liter. In fact, the A108 was built from 1958 to 1963, and the engine size would, at the maximum, be 998 cubic centimeters. So it would never get above one liter of displacement. Uh, but like I said, it was very similar to the A106. Uh, it was fairly successful, but not too much uh, changed between those two cars. However, after the A108 came the A110. This new car, the A110, was a synthesis between the A106 and the A108. Jean combined everything that he liked about the two older cars into this new one. Another important thing to realize is that both the 08 and the 06 
were developed from Renault cars, but never officially supported by Renault. Jean would take those Renault cars and he'd modify them and use them to create his new car, but it was never in any official stance with Renault. This would change with the A110. Renault had seen how successful the race cars developed by Jean had been, and were like, hey, if you want to, you know, when you make the next one from Renault parts and basically Renault car, uh, we'll officially support you in that endeavor. So, like the previous generations, the A110 was entirely based off of a Renault car. Uh, and this time, it would be based off the Renault R8. And the R8 was a little bit of a bigger car, so the A110 had to be a little bit of a bigger car to, you know, fit everything in there. Um, this made the A110 look a bit more aggressive than its uh, previous generations, but still an absolutely gorgeous car. The body would be developed separate from Renault, um, and it's, it is an amazing looking body. It is an absolutely gorgeous car. I would not describe it as aggressive. It's not super angly. It's not super mean looking, but it is, it is just sleek and it's purposeful and it's just, it's a very, very beautiful car. But everything under that beautiful hood was basically an R8. The first engines used for the A110 was either a Renault R8 major engine or a Renault R8 Gordini engine. The major engine was the less powerful of the two. They had the same displacement of about 1,108 cubic centimeters, but the major produced about 49 horsepower, while the Gordini was tuned up to about 89 horsepower. Uh, this was done with the introduction of cross-flow cylinder heads, which is very common these days. It essentially means that the intake and exhaust ports are on opposite sides of the engine. Uh, this improves efficiency, and pretty much every modern engine ever uh, has this setup. Now, before we get uh, more into the A110, I want to mention I certainly like talking about the specs of the cars um, and power figures and displacement. Um, and I was researching this A110 I was I was confused. There seemed to be so many different numbers associated with it. They had I mean different power figures ranging from all all over, ranging from super super underpowered to pretty well powerful. And I was like, well, you know, what's going on? What what are the power figures of this car? And then you know I dug into it a little bit more. It turns out that the A110 throughout its entire life which is 16 years, it was produced for 16 years, it had 12 different engines put in it. That's insane. 12 different ones. And by the way, that's just production A110s. That is not race spec or modified versions. Just the production models would have 12 different engines through 16 years. And like I said, these engines ranged all over. Uh, displacement would go from the smallest at 956 cubic centimeters to the largest at 1,647 cubic centimeters. So never got a really big engine. I mean, 1.6 liters is a very small engine, but that would be the largest engine ever given to this car. Uh, power would range from 55 horsepower to 140 horsepower. Also, I just want to, I think it's funny. Um, the biggest engine does not equal the most powerful engine. 
which I just thought was a nice little, uh, you know, replacement for displacement. Mm, maybe. And all of them, all of the engines were four-cylinder inlines. Uh, the type of engine was never changed. Um, but lots and lots of different engines were used, including fuel-injected engines. Uh, starting in 1974, they tried fuel injection in this car. Um, by 1976, they went back to a carbureted engine. Um, so I guess, I don't know, they didn't like fuel injected. Obviously, that was very early days for fuel injection. Um, but I think that really fits what the goal with this car was. I mean, since it was basically developed by one man in the name of creating a race car that he thought would do well, they tried everything. I mean, they were they were not afraid of swapping out different things, trying different engines, really going for modification to try to make the best car. And I think, you know, I think that's kind of inspirational. I, I certainly enjoy the aspect of working on cars and seeing this, you know, this guy, he's a good race car driver. Um, turns out that he's really good at modifying these cars as well. Um, and he ended up creating his own race car, which is very impressive. Um, another highlight, the A110 would also eventually be given an aluminum block engine from the Renault 16. Uh, that would have a power output of about 125 horsepower and give the production version a top speed of 130 miles per hour. So, hey, if you don't have much to move, you don't need a lot of power because, you know, 1960s, 1970s, 130? That's not slow at all. In the race spec cars, so not the production ones, the largest engine uh, would be a 1,800 cubic centimeters, and it supposedly produced 180 horsepower. Um, there are some, like I said, there's a lot of variation in the power ratings for this car. Um, it, it was all over the map, and it's hard to judge. I mean, 12 different engines. So take the 180 horsepower probably with a grain of salt. I mean, maybe maybe they got it up that high. That just seems that seems really high to me. Um, it had a zero to sixty time of nine point one seconds, so reasonable. And it was also generally a small car, and it stood only three feet eight inches high, uh, so low and teeny. So what did it drive like? Um, well, obviously, I've never driven one. Sad, but people that have driven them say it's very fun. Um, one driver described it as driving a go-kart, which I don't think is an insult. Um, I think it fits the core design of this car. It's light and it's maneuverable, and that's pretty much what, you know, a go-kart is. Um, reviews of the car say that the engine was mostly happy when it was being pushed, and it could rev quickly, and it liked to rev high up in the RPMs. Um, the car was seen as an underdog due to its very small engine, but like I said before, it really held its own against uh, bigger, more powerful cars simply because it had incredible power-to-weight ratio. And so this led Alpine to be a pretty successful car company in the early years. I mean, success on the racetrack translated to sales, as is common case, um, but Alpine was a very small company and struggled to produce the number of cars needed to support the demand. Um, so just a little interesting tidbit. Because of this, uh, Jean started to allow production to take place in foreign countries such as Brazil and Mexico. So there's actually a good number of A110s 
outside of France as the car was produced in pretty large numbers in lots of different countries. But that wasn't the main goal of Alpine. I mean, yes, they sold their cars. Yes, they tried to increase production. But they really were a race car team. And John wanted to continue to improve his cars. And obviously it worked. He knew what he was doing. The A110 was incredible at rallying. It would take first, second, and third at the Monte Carlo Rally in 1971. Then it would win the Monte Carlo Rally again in 1973. The A110 would compete in the very first World Rally Championship in 1973. And of course, it would absolutely dominate and take first in the very first World Rally Cross Championship. I mean, the thing was impressive. And not just at rallying, it also would do very well in endurance racing, hill climb racing, rally cross, and ice racing, which sounds maybe terrifying and maybe like a good time. Um, but yeah, it was it was a true race car. It was super simplistic, really just stuck with lightweight, um, and it was truly a good recipe for success. Unfortunately... Um, after all this success in the early 70s, it would go downhill for the A110 pretty quickly. And nothing to do with the A110 or with Alpine, but instead with the oil crisis of 1973. And with gas prices going up, sports cars like the A110 became undesirable, and Alpine struggled to stay open. Um, eventually, this was quote-unquote solved um, by Alpine essentially being fully bought out by Renault. And through this change of ownership, uh, it was decided that the A110 would just end production. Uh, the last A110 would roll off the assembly line in 1973, covered in flowers to celebrate uh, the end of this truly amazing car. It wasn't a total end to Alpine, though. Jean would continue to work at Renault, and the DNA of the A110 would be passed down to future high-performance cars created by Renault. This idea of light, fast, and maneuverable cars was really taken in and further developed by Renault. Alpine would also become kind of the performance division of Renault. It would be used as a nameplate for performance-oriented cars, and they just, they, it's not a separate company. Renault owns it, but they use it almost, well, they use it as, as a race division, essentially. So Alpine is, is still there. It's not super prevalent, but it didn't entirely disappear. The A110 also had effects on other car manufacturers and racing teams. It's believed that the Lancia Stratos, which was the very first car developed specifically for rallying and nothing else, was based on the A110 core design elements, including its size and rear-mounted engine. Although Lancia Stratos chose to use a Ferrari engine, uh, which made a good amount of horsepower. But this concept and this belief of lightweight and maneuverable designed cars was started by the A110 
and was passed down into all kinds of different future rallying cars, including some of the greats like the Lancia Stratos. There is a modern iteration of the A110, and it was introduced in 2017 under a Renault-Nissan partnership. This modern A110 is not sold in the United States. It is a mid-engine sports car powered by a turbo inline-four engine. It makes 249 horsepower and has a decent power-to-weight ratio, which is better than a Porsche Cayman, which is certainly uh, impressive. It is obviously a sports car. There's limited comfort and luxury features, um, but it handles fairly well and is supposedly fun to drive. There are some weird downsides to it, such as a good amount of body roll and a surprisingly soft suspension for a car that's oriented towards performance. Uh, it has a 0 to 60 time of just under 4.5 seconds. There is no manual option. It is only automatic or paddle shifters, which gets a big thumbs down from me, but I don't know. Maybe maybe some people like that. Um, reviews are generally good for this car, and it's it's a fairly fun car to drive, but I do believe, at least personally, it's a bit of a step away from the original and truly amazing A110. That's going to be it for this episode on the Alpine A110. I hope you enjoyed. If you want to support the show, leaving reviews and following the podcast is the number one way to do that, and I really appreciate it. You can also follow me on my social media. My Instagram is automotive.podcast. My Twitter is at automotivepod, and my Facebook is at automotivepodcast. You can definitely request future episodes through my social media or just say hi. Let me know about a car you're working on or what your favorite car is. Anything. I'm always happy to chat about cars. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed and I will see you next week.